glad to be in the house this morning. Amen. Here's what I need you to do. You know I like some participation, right? I, l- I like a little crowd participation. All right? So look at the person beside you and just say, you're fish bait. You, you are, okay. Now look at the other person who was your second choice, who obviously doesn't take precedence over the first person, and tell them they're fish bait as well. All right, cool, cool. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue our message series in the book of Jonah. We're going to be looking right at Jonah chapter 2. All right, so just get right in there. Get, get your version app up, whatever you use. If you go old-timey, old-fashioned, go there. That's all good, right? The Word of God is powerful, is it not? Amen. All right, so let me give you a recap of what we talked about last week. We understand we're talking about Jonah. And uh, here we got this guy that um, he was a prophet. A prophet of God, all right? And, and, you know, in the Old Testament, God used prophets mightily, as he uses them today as well. But they were actually the voice of God in that era, in that time when God was using them. They were the voice of God. When God spoke, God spoke through them in many, many opportunities. So here you got this guy, Jonah, who, if you remember, his name means dove or peace, all right? So he's got a, a, a name that's, you know, I don't like to say dove because that makes Jonah sound kind of girly. You know what I mean? I, I don't want this guy, you know, looking kind of girly here. But so we're going to say it's more like peace. All right? Somebody's going to be a peace. He was a, a peacemaker. But God was putting him into a really sticky, really difficult circumstance, situation. He was going to have to make a decision that Jonah did not really want to have to make. He's probably thinking of one of those times where it's like, God, really, did you have to speak in this moment? I mean, I think we've all probably been there a time or two in our life where we're like, that's, that's a word, Lord, that maybe I didn't need to hear. Okay, so that's where Jonah was. So here you got this guy, Jonah. And remember, he is the son of a man named Amittai. If you remember, Amittai means truth. So here you have a prophet who is the son of truth. It can't get any better than that. All right, we have the perfect definition of what a prophet is to be. Peace and truth, all right, and communicating what God intended for him to communicate. So here we got Jonah, and God tells him, says, hey, look, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, remember what we talked about Nineveh last week. First of all, I would like to, you know, whenever I make it to heaven, I'm going to be like, God, really, you had to call Nineveh great? I mean, do you remember what these people were doing to your people, right? If you recall, I mean, they were horrible, horrendous uh, a nation, all right, the Assyrians were. And Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians. So I'm just giving you some background so you know where we're about to go to, okay? So here we got Jonah, who's a prophet of God. God speaks to him and says, I need you to go to Nineveh, and I need you to tell them how bad they are and that they need to turn away from what they're doing and turn toward me, all right? Now, understanding that this was a cruel nation. They were horrible What they did to the men, to the women, to the children. It was outstanding. I mean, it was horrendous. All right? They would go in. They would kill the men. And if if they didn't kill all the men after they captured them, through historians, we understand that they would skin them alive, bury them in the sand up to their neck, stick their tongue out, drive a stake through it. And you think you have it hard. We understand with the, with the women, if they weren't dead, they would do what? They would rape them and then kill them. And then they would do the exact same thing to the children. 
awful things. But yet God is telling this man who is a prophet, you need to go there and you need to tell them about me. It's even said that many, many, many uh, cities are, or if, if the Assyrians were rumored to go somewhere to try to conquer, the people would kill themselves ahead of time because they didn't want to go through the torture that they knew was laying right before them. So we know here that, that um, uh, Jonah was, was not liking this word that God was giving him. God's saying go, Jonah's saying no, not doing it. We get further into the story and we understand that. So Jonah's, you know, already made the decision in his mind. He's saying, you know what, I'm not going. In fact, I'm going to get on a boat. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm going the exact opposite direction in what, Lord, you want me to go in. In fact, it was roughly 2,500 miles away from where God wanted him to go, which is approximately, from the historian said, a year's worth of sailing in the opposite direction. We can relate this to us sometimes, can't we? Because... I don't know how many times, even in my own life, for maybe God has, has laid something on my heart to, to go after or to go do, but yet I didn't like what God wanted me to do. You know, it wasn't one of those easy moments. It wasn't like, you know, God, you're going to drop $2,000 in my checking account today moment. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those moments where God is going, no, you know what, I need you to go do this for me. And it's out of the comfort zone, right? It's out of the, 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 the safe haven we like to call in life. Sometimes God calls us to do things maybe we don't like. How about even when it comes even to, to, into the house of the Lord? We could go through seasons sometimes where we could get mad at God and say, God, I ain't ever going back. I'm never going to go back into those doors. You're not going to get me into those doors, Lord. It's funny how God works sometimes, isn't it? How he puts us into circumstances that cause us to have to go to the direction maybe he did not, or rather we did not want to go in to start with. So here we've got Jonah, and he's telling God no. In fact, he gets on this boat, and he's sailing the opposite direction of what God wanted him to go into. And all of a sudden, what happens? This great storm comes out. Do you know your disobedience sometimes causes great storms in your life? Wow. Most of the storms that you've ever gone through in life, good chance it's because we've disobeyed either God, his word, or whatever else. We've been disobedient to God. Or, I like to say it this way, and I said it last week, delayed, dis- delayed obedience is still what? Disobedience. Understand that. Delayed obedience. What does that mean, Pastor Kev? Well, that, this is what that means. That means, you know, God is saying for you to do something, and, and you, it wasn't in your timing. You didn't like what God was saying that he wanted you to do. And you didn't feel like now was the time to do it. But maybe later on when the resources are there, Lord, then I will step into your realm and I will step into your will. And so what we often do is we push away and we push away and we push away. And then we say, you know what, now is the time for me to get into what you want me to do, God. But understanding when God speaks, I love it. We see it all through Genesis. When God said, let there be, what happened? It was created. When God speaks, he intends it to be done then, in his timeline, not necessarily in our timeline. So here we've got this guy, Jonah, and uh, God's called him to go to, to Nineveh. Jonah says, oh, you know, I don't like that. You know, in other words, God, do you know what they do to people like me there? You want me to go in there and tell them how bad they are? Really? 
They're going to kill me. They're going to do this to me. They're going to do that to me. This isn't a fun situation. God, I don't want to go. Lord, you're making me uncomfortable. It's a shame when God makes us uncomfortable sometimes, right? No. So it goes the opposite direction. We understand a big storm comes. Waves are crashing. Storm like no other. The sailors on that boat who are used to storms, this is their livelihood. This is what they do. I can imagine at first they're like, oh, we'll just ride this out just like any other thing in life. We're just going to ride this out and this, this too shall pass. But as they're going throughout, what, the storm's getting greater and greater and greater and greater. And all of a sudden, what, what, what we understand the Bible says they drew straws, right? They drew straws trying to figure out who's, whose fault it was. And sure enough, it falls right on Jonah. And they're like, Jonah, what's up, man? What'd you do? And he actually admits it. He goes, you know what, guys? It's my fault. I'm a prophet of God. It's my fault. The captain says this, well, then pray to him. Pray to God. We find out right here that there's a prophet who is prayerless. Because in that moment, he would not communicate to God. I can't help but to think sometimes in our lives when things are going rough, when things are going hard, that is when typically we become the less involved in prayer. Because we get frustrated with God or we get frustrated in our circumstance. And the captain of the boat who has no relationship with God whatsoever. He says, all right, here's what you need to do. Pray to your God. Make this thing right. He's like, no, I ain't doing it. Stubborn moment here. Instead, he says, you know what? Here's what you guys do. Throw me overboard and everything will be fine. Now, understand this. In your disobedience in life, and this is where we're going to make it a little bit more personal. In your disobedience in life, when we are disobedient with God, not only are you impacting your own life, but you're impacting everyone else's lives around you. Let me repeat that. You don't want to hear that. In your disobedience when it comes to God, not only are you bringing dire consequences into your own life or struggles into your own life, but you're also going to bring them into the ones who are closest around you. We see that very clearly here with Jonah. These men, if Jonah would have never signed up to ride that boat that day, they would have went on to their destination with probably no problem whatsoever. Because of this one bad apple, this one guy who chose to disobey God, got into their life, now they were in a situation. You see, stop being so selfish. Stop being so selfish in your life. What are the situations that maybe you've put those who are closest to you in your life in that you're not proud of? Because of what? Your disobedience. Or your what? Delayed obedience, which is a result of what? Still disobedience. When God speaks and God lays a desire in our heart and God gives us the talents and the abilities to accomplish things, there's a reason for it. It's because he's got a job, he's got a will, he's got a plan for your life, and we must step out in to that. Now, we understand that as, as the story goes on, Jonah, a prophet of the Lord who, who obviously in this moment did not believe in prayer, and he told the men, he said, look, don't throw me overboard, or no, excuse me, throw me overboard, and they're like, no, no, we're going to try to take care of this ourselves, so the Bible goes on to say in scripture, they start throwing cargo, the very thing that gives them their livelihood. They're doing it for a man whom they don't even know. How many know that sometimes non-Christians are more Christian, more Christ-like than Christians? Hello. Let me, let me say that again. How, how many of you know 
that non-Christians sometimes act more like Christ than the person sitting beside you or the person standing here speaking to you. We didn't need to laugh. We didn't need to laugh. I'm watching, I'm watching. All right, that's what happens sometimes, isn't it? We don't like to hear that. We don't like to know that. But that's a very, that, that, there's truth to that statement. So anyway, so finally, you know what? They're like, look, we've done everything we can. Jonah, guess what, dude? You got to go. Over he goes. Jonah, the prophet of God, who's not in the mood to pray. The storm rages on. The sailors come in and they give him a toss. We understand that the last verse in Jonah chapter 1 says, And the Lord provided a great fish that swallowed Jonah. Now, I can't help but to think, and, and this hit me this morning as I was going over. It sounded, as I was, I was, I was going over my notes and, and I was thinking about this, I said, you know, we always think of the fear that must have came upon Jonah in that moment. But if you think about it, Jonah was at the greatest sushi buffet of all time. I mean, it's, you know, put yourself in that situation. God, where's the soy sauce and the wasabi? You know what I'm saying? Any sushi lovers in here? Okay, there, there's some of you. All right, you know what I'm talking about. All right. I mean, what? If, if life gives you lemons, what? Turn it into lemonade, right? You know, that's what I'm trying to do here with Jonah. But we see in the last verse that, you know, it says, and the Lord provided a great fish that swallowed Jonah, where he spent three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. Now, we're going to pick up the story in Jonah chapter 2. And I like this because we're going to look at the uh, prayer of Jonah. Now, think about this. I think this scripture is somewhere around like nine verses long for this prayer. Now, if I was in the belly of a fish for three days, I don't think I would only be praying nine verses of a prayer. I would constantly be praying, God, 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 God. I would look at everything in my life that could possibly go. Could you imagine being in that, in that state, in that moment? I, I can't. I can't imagine the fear that must have been upon him and the and, and the worry that was upon him, I mean, what, what am I going to live the rest of my days in the belly of this fish? It's like day one goes by. <laughs> God, what, what are we doing here? You know, day two, all these fish come flying by him, you know. You know, day three, it's like what's there's acid in this thing. It's trying to eat me up or something, you know. He's in the belly of this fish. Absolutely disgusting. You know, and, and so in my mind, I'm thinking, what, what would you pray when you're in there? The scripture only tells us that there's roughly nine verses worth of a prayer there. However, what we need to understand, this is just a recap. I mean, he wasn't in the belly of the fish with a pen and paper and a light writing down, regardless of all the felt board cartoons, things that you saw in Sunday school where he had a candle in there. Okay? So he's in there frantically praying to God. And we're going to look at that beautiful prayer that he actually prays. But here we have a runaway prophet who's neglected God, who is now praying, who was delivered from a fish, and he's looking back and he's recording the events that had happened. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 says this, from the inside the fish. Now we're going to stop there for a second because you guys know I like to read and I like to stop and I like to talk for a minute. From inside the fish, you know, 
this week as I was going over this, it, it hit me. There are times when God separates us from all things of life, takes us into a place of solitude so that he can get our attention so for one purpose, so that we can communicate to him. Have you ever noticed that before? When you go through storms in life, typically there's less people around you. But when you're going through the good times in life, what? Everyone's around you. So Jonah in this moment, he's in this fish. It says, from inside the fish. Now I want to prove this for, for a second. Luke chapter 4 verse 42. And this is about Jesus. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a what? Deserted place. Why did he go into a deserted place? To find a time of what? Prayer. He went into a solitude. He went into a place that was separating himself from everything else of life. This is Jesus himself. If Jesus could be distracted, I promise you, you can be distracted. So Jesus understood that he had to be separated in order to spend time with his father. Another scripture I'm going to throw at you. Luke chapter 5 verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and what? Prayed. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and what? Prayed. Understand in this moment, Jonah was separated. He was separated from life. The activities of life. He was, God was placing him into a place of solitude. Into a place where all he could do was talk to God. Now in the moment, Jonah was not thankful for this time. I promise you. Just like sometimes in our life, in the moment, when God has separated us from everything else, all the activities of life, where we're going through a, a time of, des, you know, where we're deserted, where we feel like we're all alone, which we can understand that we are not alone, right? Because God's with us. But when we are separated from all of that, we need to understand and look at it as an opportunity for us to spend time in prayer with God. Now, Jonah, that's what happened. Now, part of his prayer was because he was just scared. I mean, I think all of us, I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian, if you were in the belly of a fish for three days, I guarantee you're throwing up some prayers. Guarantee it. So Jonah was in a time of prayer. Okay, let's move on. It says, Jonah finally did what? Jonah finally prayed to the Lord his God. In other words, God is saying this to Jonah I got your attention. Now I've got your attention. You know, it, it was imperative for Jesus himself to be in a place where he could be separated. It was imperative for Jonah in this moment to be separated. Right now, God has your attention. I don't know if there's any of you right now who you're going through life and you feel like you're all by yourself. You need to understand something. God in this moment has now got your attention. He wants that communication with you. He's looking for you to talk to him. It goes on to say, and Jonah's saying this, in my distress. Here's what you need. You need to circle that. You need to highlight that. You need to underline that word there, distress. And we're going to get back to it in a minute. And he did what? I called to the Lord. I called to the Lord. What's remarkable to me about that part of the scripture is that you and I have every opportunity in our lives to call to the Lord. The Lord of this universe. At any moment, we can call to this great God that we call Jehovah. 
that we could call to this great God who was the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. We can call to this great God who is what? Our everlasting Father. We could call to this great God who is our what? Our Prince of Peace. You and I have the advantage in our life to call on this great God who what? Who's brought you out of the depths of the very hell that you were living in into the grip of his what? Grace. Into the hold of his love. Into the compassion that he has for you. We at any opportunity can call on the name of the Lord. It says, in my distress, I called on the Lord. This is what's fantastic. And he answered who? Me. Can you even grasp that for a moment? Calling on a God that you can't see, but yet answers prayer. A God who is so mighty and so loving. A God that will drop everything just to make sure that you're okay. Jonah says, I called on him in my great distress. I called him in my problem. I called at him when when I was lacking. I called for him when no one else was around and everyone else had gave up on me. I called on him. I called on him when I was in the lowest part of my life. I called on him. I called on him when everything was going wrong. Everyone else said it's impossible. I called on him. I called on him when the ministry was over for my life, but yet I called on him. I called on him when no one else had a future for me, but yet I still called on him. I called on him when everyone turned their back. Friends I thought I had. Family I thought who was close to me. I called on him. And what does the scripture said? He answered me. What you need to understand this morning is that you have a God that if you will call on him, I don't care where you're at in your life, he will answer you. amazes me sometimes how people will get into a, a situation and they'll go through a struggle and they'll say, Pastor, I've tried everything I can do. All I can do now is what? Pray. Really? We have the resource to call on who? God at any given moment. And you want to put all your other resources before him. And then look at him as a last-ditch effort and say, all I got now is what? Prayer. Thank you. It should be the first. Jonah in this moment realized, in my distress, Lord, I am going to call on you. And the scripture says, what did God do? He answered me. I love this because distress actually, uh, you know, that's our word that we're getting as a definition. But in the Hebrew, we can understand what was actually given here was meaning labor or pain. Women, how many of you gave birth? All right, okay. Some of you are like, unfortunately, you know, you've had a bad morning with the kids, I guess. Okay. In your labor, in his pain. Jonah says, I called to the Lord and he answered me. The scripture goes on to say, from the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for what? Help. 
I called for help. In my distress, in my agony, in my problem, I called on him and he answered. From the depths of the grave, I call on him for help and he listens to our cry. Now what you need to understand there from the depth of the realm of the dead, which is actually being referred to here, is hell. A state of hell, not the actual place, but a state of hell. Jonah was going, look, I'm going through hell right now. I'm in the very pit of hell in my life. And in that moment, he heard my cry. And he pulled me out from that very state of mind that I was in. He pulled me out from that place. He listened to my cry. He rescued me. Some of us this morning, I don't know what you might be going through in your life. But in, in your career, it could be not going well. God is saying, all you need to do is do this. What? Call on me. See, what we need to understand here is one of the most overlooked disciplines that we have as Christians. And remember, we actually live in a cultural Christianity where people say they're Christian or that they're followers of Christ but lack the discipline that they need in order to keep that relationship with Christ, which is what? Reading his word, prayer, and fasting. God is trying to get our attention here and understand this, that we need to get to a place of prayer where prayer is once again important. We say, Pastor Kevin, you talk about this so often. Well, it's because you keep forgetting it so often. We allow the busyness of our life, our schedules, our agendas, I mean, we even see here that Jonah's going through a very difficult time. And even a man who wasn't a Christian said, hey, Jonah, pray to your God. And Jonah's like, nah, that's cool. I'm good. A man who knew what God could do. Sometimes God places us in the belly of our situation, in the belly of our problem, in the belly of our difficulty to get our attention so that we will do what? Talk to him. Verses 1 and 2 are beautiful in that. You know, he's saying virtually, I was as good as dead. But God, in his mercy, could call me to be born again. I was as good as dead. I was completely in my, my own power. I was helpless. I couldn't contribute a thing. But yet I was not hopeless because of God. Even though I did not deserve his love and his mercy and his understanding. Even though I don't deserve his peace. Even though I don't deserve his compassion. God is still there with his grace and his mercy and his love. Even though my actions should not result in him contributing into my life. Yet God still does. Jonah's actions were the very, were, were the, as, as far as he possibly could be when it comes to the will of God. But we understand that in this time of prayer, in his distress, he called on the name of the Lord. And he says that the Lord answered him. Some of us need to let that sink in for a moment in our life. Where are you right now? Are you going through those problems? Are you going through those difficulties? Is your marriage rocky right now? God says, if you will call on me, I will answer you. 
Are you going through psychological issues right now in your mind and you're relying on, on self-help and other things? God says, if you will call on me, and I'm not taking away from anything like that because I believe that God gives provision through people. But God says, if you will call on me, I will answer. You're having a difficulty with your children. You're having a rocky relationship with them. Things are going, spreading further and further apart rather than coming closer and closer and closer. God is saying, if you will call on me, I will answer. You're going through the worst financial time that you've ever gone through in your entire life. You don't know where everything came unraveled. You can't even begin to start over again. God says, if you will call on me, I will give you a new starting point. I will answer. We need to understand that there is power in your prayer. We say there's so much power in God, and there is. There's ultimate power in God. But God's power cannot be released until you verbally commit it to him. You must go to him. You must speak to him. God is looking to send the power of his Holy Spirit in your life. God is looking to give you the discernment that you need. God is looking to give you and to place those steps right in front of you. The steps of a fervent what? Thank you. Availeth much. God is looking to do all of this in your life. But he's saying, you need to call on me. We understand phase one, God sends a storm. Phase two, God sends the captain. He says, hey, you need to pray. No, thank you. Phase three, the sailors have mercy on him. Again, Christians acting like, or non-Christians acting like Christians should. Phase four, when they do throw him overboard, God sends a, a fish. Phase five, the fish throws him up on shore. You know, sometimes things happen in our life in phases. I think God likes to use phases in life. I really do. I think sometimes we're going, you know, we, we, life could be going good, but yet we're against his will. And so God will allow that to be a phase so that later on we could look back and see his hand, how it's been working. And then when things are going well and we think things are going good, even though we're not following his will, there seems to be a little hiccup happen. Sometimes a little situation will come about and it might start out small at first. But if it's not taken to God properly in the timing that it needs to be taken, what happens? Like any bad tooth, it begins to fester, infect. It becomes a problem. So then we have another phase. God's trying to get our attention. And so then we continue to ignore God, and so the winds begin to increase. The waves get higher. The struggle becomes more real. That's another phase of life. God's trying to what? Get our attention. You see, what amazes me here is that we look at this scripture and, and we understand that the fish threw him up. And we think, okay, boop, there's, there's Jonah. Let me ask you guys a question here for a second. Has anybody ever had, like, bad food? Right? Let, let me give you a warning. If the Chinese restaurant is known for making people sick, don't go there. About 12 years ago. I went to a Chinese restaurant that was known, bad reputation. I'm like, I got a stomach of iron, man. I can eat bolts, you know. I'll be fine. Some of you are you're already shaking your head. You know where I'm going, all right? 
I remember going to that, to that uh, Chinese buffet, sitting down eating it. Oh, it looked so good. And it was good going down. But let me tell you, when it was coming up, it wasn't so good. God, in this moment, humbled Jonah greatly. He said, look, even though you made it right, there's still a consequence that's got to come in before I can get you back on track again. See, we don't like the consequences sometimes that God places us in, do we? We don't, not, not that God places it. Actually, it's the consequence that you place yourself in. By what? Your disobedience. So here we got, God likes to act in phases. I think if I asked you, some of you, and some struggles that you've gone through in life, you can look back and you can see how God worked in this area to get you to this point, 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 to get you to this point. Do you know what I went through in my own personal life to get to this point? I don't wish it on anyone. But I'd go through it again to make sure I got here. We don't like the phases that maybe God puts us through. But man, when we get to where God wants us and we are in that will and we are in that way, we are flowing in that plan that God had in store for us. There's nothing like it. No joy could ever surpass the joy that God gives. No love can ever surpass the love that God gives. The victory, no victory could ever surpass the victory that God gives you. I would take a bad day with God over a good day in this world any day. Amen? All right. So here we got verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 kind of go like this. Oh, God, you hurled me into the deep. Now, technically, it was the sailors who hurled him into the deep, but we also understand that, that God orchestrated it. He says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very, hearts of this, or very heart of the sea. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, what? They swept over me. He said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your temple. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed wrapped around my head. This is like a, a, a bad episode of Man versus Wild here, okay? Verse 6, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The, oh, I was excited. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. In other words, God's saying there's no physical hope for me. Or, or Jonah's saying, God, there's no physical hope for me. He said, you know, in his mind, he's thinking, the game is over. I'm a dead man. I don't know how this is going to end up. But this is where it all changes. But you. But you, God. Or but you, what? Lord, my God. Brought my life up from the pit. Mm. How many times have we had that but God moment in our life? But you, God, brought me up from the pit that I was living in. But you, God, rescued me. But you, God, intervened in my life. But you, God, this is what was happening with Jonah. It was a but you, God moment. Some of you in this room this morning, you're looking for that but you, God. And God is saying all you have to do is call on me. 
Jonah said he called on him. And the Lord what? Answered him. Goes on to say in verse 7. When my life was ebbing away. I remembered you O Lord. And my prayer. It rose to your temple. You know a lot of times when things are going well. What we do with. God, we say, oh, God, thank you for thinking of me, but right now I don't need you involved in this moment. And so what we often do a lot of times is just as Jonah did, things were going well for Jonah. He didn't want to put himself in a spot that he thought would be not so well by going to Nineveh. So he kind of pushed God aside for a moment, for a season in his life. You know, there's those of us in this room this morning who we've, we're guilty of that. Pushing God aside for a season of our life. You know, what, what I, I like about that word season is seasons begin, but seasons also what? End. For some of you, that season is time. It's over. For some of you who have been pushing God aside for far too long now, God is trying to get your attention here and he's saying... The season's done. Let's make this afresh. Let's make this anew again. That season that you were going through, it's over. But what we like to do oftentimes is when things are going well for our life, we will push God or we'll put God aside. And we don't want to follow him or we don't want to flow into his will any longer because we don't like maybe where that's taking us. We think we have a better agenda. We have a better way of going about things. And so we'll put God aside. But Jonah in this moment, that's what he did. He put God aside and then he realized, I need him back. Because what I thought was right was actually wrong. Look at the person next to him and say, you're wrong. Some of you are loving it because it's your spouse. Tell them real hard. Be like, you're wrong. Jonah realized that he was wrong and he had to go back to the Lord and He says, when my life was ebbing away, yet God, you remembered me. Do you know that God has never forgot you? You may have wished he forgot you. You may have tried for him to forget about you. But Jonah says, in my ebbing away, pushing you away, God, you still remembered me. In the next verse, he shifts his tone. Because remember, listen, he was a prophet. He declared prophetic truth. That's what he does. But he goes on to say, those who cling to worthless idols, they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols, they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. They forfeit the love that could be theirs. They forfeit the passion. They forfeit the deliverance. Do you realize when we push God away because we think we have a better understanding, we are in our most ignorant state that we can possibly be. Because God is a God who loves. God is a God who's a God of compassion. Who has passion for you. Who reaches down to pull you out of whatever it is you're going through in life. Who wants to intervene in your life. Mm. those who cling to worthless life, what are the things that you're clinging to? 
that you think has the answers for your life right now? What are the things that you, in other words, what are the things that you've pushed God aside for? Maybe it's a group of people, a group of friends. Well, it'd be so hard to live Christ-like if I have, if I'm, have to you know, give up certain things, Pastor. What's so hard about that? Don't we want to live in the will of God? Doesn't it make sense that the will of God gives us pure joy and gladness? Doesn't it make sense that the will of God shows love and causes us to what? Share love? If you're having a hard time forgiving someone for something that they've done to you, well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not in the will of God. God encourages us to forgive one another. But pastor, you don't understand what they did. No, I don't, and I really don't care what they did. All I know is God instructs you to do something, and that is called forgive. To love one another. One of the easiest ways for us to get out of the will of God is when we hold judgment or grudge or haste towards someone or some people. You know, some of us in this room this morning, we might be saying, you know, Pastor, I'm trying to, to do things right, but I'm finding it so difficult to, to live that life that, that God is calling me to live. It's so difficult to make the decisions that line up with his word. It's so difficult to break those bad habits. It's so difficult for all of this, and we give excuse after excuse after excuse. I'm just going to say this one statement here. Who have you not forgiven? Think it got real quiet. And I understand. Who have you not forgiven? But you don't understand. No. It's simple. Stop making the excuse. Who have you not forgiven? God is speaking to some of you right now. The, the, the word or the picture of the person or persons is running through your mind so fast. And you're, you're looking, you're trying to count the ceiling tiles and the, and the ripples and the, and the pillars and everything else to just get distracted from right now. Who have you not forgiven? And that's just one thing. But chances are, if we're struggling so bad and we're struggling to live in that will of God, but yet we're holding grudge against one another. We're holding grudge against a family member because maybe you loaned them money and they never paid you back. You know what the Bible says? When you give, don't expect for it to be returned. If it is, you've been blessed. If it's not, you bless them. It's getting, <laughs> that got deep there, didn't it? You didn't like that one too well. Verse 9 says, I couldn't contribute anything. Couldn't contribute anything, but you know what? Salvation comes from who? The Lord. What I vowed I will make good, and I will say salvation comes from the Lord. His prayer was, God, get me back on track. Get me back on track. Get me back in your will. Give me another shot. Give me another chance. I've messed up. Give me another opportunity. You know what? I'll go to that city. And we're going to learn more about that as this series goes on. I'm going to go to that city. And great things are going to happen because God isn't going to call you somewhere and then allow you to die in it. He's not going to give the enemy 
a foot strong over you. He's not going to do that. He's not going to allow the enemy to come in and to destroy you when you're in his will. That's not going to happen. I want you to stand with me this morning. Jonah's prayer was relatively a prayer of forgiveness. Jonah's prayer was relatively a prayer of God, this is what I didn't do. I didn't follow your lead. I didn't follow your example. I didn't go after your will. I didn't go in in, in alignment to the desire that you had for my life. And Jonah understood that the grace of God only came through who? God himself. Verse 10, we can understand it says that God caused the fish to throw him up. We're starting over. It's time to start again. For some of you in this room, God is saying, you know what? You need to have that prayer moment that Jonah had. See, it caused a great distress for Jonah to go through in order to realize that he wasn't doing what was right and to get back into the prayer that God wanted him to end. Some of you are going through a great distress right now. I'm going to tell you what the answer is. And the answer is God. The answer is prayer. The answer is communicating with him again. Some of you have pushed that aside for far too long. Far too long. It's one of those disciplines that you've ignored for far too long. And God is saying it's trying to resurrect that again. It's time to bring that to fruition. It's time to make that alive again. God is saying literally as he said Lazarus come forth. He's telling your prayer life come forth. He's speaking it into you this morning. And Jonah realized this and he began to pray. He began to ask God to forgive him. He began to tell God, you know, I've ignored you. I've done wrong and all these things. And look, we're all guilty of this. We've all lived this life before. Some of you are living it now. Some of you have lived it in the past. Some of you, you're going to go through struggles in the future because we're going to make bad choices. But right now, God is calling us to a time of prayer. And he's saying, look, I'm trying to get your attention. Now, there's a couple people we are in this moment. Right now, I'm kind of like that captain. And I'm saying, here's your time to pray. You need to pray to your God to deliver you from whatever mess you might be in right now. Whatever the struggle might be, whatever the heartache is, whatever the loss is, whatever the loneliness is, God is saying, you know what? You need to pray. You need to talk to me. And here's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to take heed to that, and you're going to do it. But yet there's going to be others of you who are going to ignore it. And guess what's going to happen? You might get tossed overboard deeper into that problem. You know, it's funny to me because God could have had those sailors throw a piece of wood out to to Jonah and said, here, you you know, you float on this. Float on this and maybe you'll drift ashore. Would Jonah ever learn his lesson if that were the case? Most likely not. Because of his disobedience, we understand that the word says that the great fish came and swallowed him up. That's going to be some of you who aren't taking heed to this warning this morning when God is saying, you need to come to a place of prayer. You've been struggling. There's problems mounting up. Some of you can see the problems coming in the future. You see how things are lining up, and you know that there's going to be a difficulty. You know that there's going to be a season of difficulty. And God is trying to get your attention now, and he's saying through the captain, he's saying, look, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. 
Some of you are going to take heed to that, and you're going to take that warning, and you're going to do that. Others of you this morning, you're going to ignore it. And you're going to be thrown deeper into your problem, deeper into your struggle. And then God's going to have to send something massive to get your attention. Some of you have been through this before. You know all about those massive problems. I do. I know about those massive struggles. I know about that massive loneliness. I know all about that. I've been there. That's why I'm so passionate about it this morning. Don't get there. Listen to the word that God is calling to you this morning. Listen to his instruction. God is saying, come to a time of prayer. Come to a place where you will seek me, seek my face, and he will do what? I will answer you. Think about that for your life for a moment. And you know what? Even in the belly of that problem that you might face, some of you are still, I hope not, but some of you may still ignore the voice of the Lord. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen from there. You can figure that one out yourself. But then there's others of you that will get into the belly of that problem, and then it will click, and you will go, I need to pray. I need to pray just as Jonah did. And when Jonah prayed, what happened? God answered. Now, I don't know what you're, I don't know what God maybe has called you to do or wants you to do that you've ignored for far too long. I don't know who you're supposed to forgive or you know, who you're supposed to show love and compassion to that maybe you've ignored for far too long or, or maybe you were supposed to you know, uh, accept the calling that God has placed on your life and you've ignored for far too long. But God is saying, just pray. Pray to me, we can make this anew today. Pray to me. Some of you right now, you're, you're in the thick of the storm. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what else to do. God is saying, pray to me today. Some of you are so in the storm that you're in the belly of that fish. You feel like it's impossible. You don't know where else to turn. God is saying, pray to me today. So when every eye closed, every head bowed. So this is a time of reflection for a moment. And I want you to think about you. What has God spoke to you today through this message? What has God spoke to you today? What, what is he trying to say to you? I know what he's spoken to me through this message as I've been preparing for it. And I'm saying, here I am, God. Here I am. What is he saying? Who's he bringing to mind that you need to forgive? Who, what, what, what is the calling that he's placed on your life that you've ignored for far too long? Kind of goes in line with the, the Time Is Now series that we just finished. Maybe you've pushed God aside for far too long and I'll get back to you, God, in my season, in my time. Well, the season's over. It's time to get right with him. So here's what I'm gonna ask you today. Now that you've had a time of reflection, I just wanna do this. I wanna do this for us as a church because I believe there's some things that maybe we've not stepped into the calling that God has led us. So I'm doing this for us as a church. I'm hoping you do this for the church as well as you as an individual. But I'm asking for every person who would just to step out of your seat and to come to this altar this morning. Right now. Whether you're on top of the world or whether you're in the depths 
of a personal hell. I want you to reflect. I want you to think about what those thoughts just came to your mind on. What is it that God's challenged me to do that I've ignored for far too long? Who have I not forgiven? God, forgive me today. Forgive me for not being obedient. Forgive me for my delayed obedience, which results in disobedience. Forgive me for being completely ignorant to you and being disobedient to the call that you've placed on my life. Forgive me, God, for not stepping forth in your will and your plan. For whatever it is, I want you to pray to him right now. And I want you to say, God, forgive me. Because I, I say this confidently. I believe this message affects every one of us in this room. I don't think that this message was just geared to one or two certain people or certain groups of people. I believe this message was geared to every single one of us. We can all take away from something here this morning and understanding that God is calling you to a time of prayer. Father, right now, you see your people. You see their hearts. You know their minds. You know their thoughts. You've seen their actions. You know the future that is before them. But Father, all of us in this room, one way or another, one situation or another, we have ignored you for far too long. We've been disobedient to you. We've tried to even convince ourselves, Lord, that we can delay our obedience with you. But Father, ultimately we've been disobedient. So God, we pray a prayer of repentance to you. Just as Jonah did, forgive us. Forgive us, God, of ignoring you. Forgive us of not stepping out in your will and your way, the plan that you have for our lives. Forgive us, Father, Lord, for pushing you aside. Forgive us, Lord, for ignoring the calling. Forgive us, God. And so, Lord, now, place us in your will. Make there be a way, Lord, where we, we thought there was no longer a way. Let us be in your perfect plan for our life. For every one of us, Lord, that is in this room. For us as a church, God. Let us be in your perfect plan. I don't want any of us, Lord, being overtaken by our problems or our failures, our mishaps, our disobedience. I want all of us in this room this morning, God, to, to flow in your will, to flow in your power of your Holy Spirit. Allow your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be real in our life every single day. May we walk confidently and boldly in the power of your Holy Spirit. May we walk confidently and boldly in your will and the plan that you have for our lives. God, if you said go and we said no, forgive us for that. Today, Lord, we said yes. Today, God, we as a church and we as individuals, whatever the plan is and will and the purpose that you have for our life, today, God, we say yes. Yes, we want to be a part of that plan. Yes, we want to walk in righteousness. Yes, we will forgive those, Lord, who you are calling us to forgive. Yes, we will fulfill the ministry, the calling, Lord, that you are calling us to do. Yes. Lord, we love you and we praise you. So for every person here this morning, God, I just say move in their life. 
Let us have that renew, that start over. Let us begin again. Let's be afresh. So God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you, when you leave here today, I don't know what God's called you to do, and this is my words to you today. Don't delay anymore. Step out in it. Forgive those who need forgiven. Do what God's called you to do. Remember, you may not understand steps one, two, and three. And you have no idea what four, five, and six are. But one stone at a time, right? Stone after stone after stone. God will begin to lead and build his will in your life. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this gathering. Father, as we leave this place, be with each and every person. Bring them back here safely, God. Lord, as we give our offerings to you today, may it be used to continue to build your kingdom and to strengthen your church, Father, so that we can do ministry more effectively. And so, Father, we ask for your will and your way. Let the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And the church says, amen. I love you guys. See you later.